The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. I shared with you yesterday the details of a study that shows that the lockdowns during the pandemic uh, definitely impacted our learning. All the test scores are down across the board. Uh, But Democrats just do not want to admit to it. Here is Peggy Carr. Peggy Carr is the chair of the National Center for Education Statistics. So she's got all these numbers that tell you that reading levels are down, math levels are down. Everything was down during the pandemic, during remote learning. Uh, Certainly Peggy Carr. I mean, she's a statistics person, right? Uh, She would believe that it's because of the lockdowns. Yes? Mm, Not so much. There's nothing in this data that allows us to draw a straight line from remote learning in and of itself to student performance. It's complicated. It's complicated, she says. Nothing in this data in and of itself to draw a straight line between remote learning and these test scores. Well, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, Peggy. If kids are alone (laughs) and can hide from the teacher by turning the camera off, thus not paying attention, maybe that might lead to lower levels of learning. Uh, If they're not around other students to challenge them, in their learning or to help them with their lessons, that might too contribute to less learning. But when you have people in the field of education who will not admit to things that have clearly had an impact on the field of education, uh, well, then we need new people. That's what I think we need. We need new people in the field of education. And certainly, I think Peggy Carr might need to vacate her position, seeing as how Given her specialty in statistics, she does not seem to be paying too much attention to what these statistics tell her. Now, the statistics are telling a very ominous story for Joe Biden and the Democrats as the midterms approach. I've said I don't want to take a victory lap before the victory is assured. We have two weeks left. Maybe something could happen. I don't discount anything happening world event wise or nefariously ordered by the Biden administration. I mean, they're trying everything, right? They released 15 million barrels of oil from the strategic oil reserves, trying to get gas prices down enough that they can absolve themselves of blame for blame for the higher gas prices. They're giving away student loan forgiveness, trying to bribe people with college debt to vote for them. So I don't doubt that the Biden administration will do whatever it can to try to win the election. But it is a it is a losing hand that the Democrats have dealt themselves. Typically, when you deal yourself, you have the capacity to deal yourself a winning hand. But the Democrats, with control of the Senate, with control of the House, with control of the White House, the Democrats have dealt themselves a losing hand because they are committed to ideology over performance. I don't know if they're dumb enough to really think that shutting off our domestic energy spigot is really something. Do you think they believe, oh, we really need to do this? Climate change is real. See, I don't believe they really believe that. I believe there's something out there beyond climate change. 
that is so attractive to them that they're willing in the short term to suffer the public relations hit from the higher gas prices. They keep telling us that everything is great, and that's an odd message, too. People are paying higher prices for everything. Wages are not keeping up with inflation. But everything is great. As if they say it, they can speak it into being. Well, that's consistent with their transgender position. They believe you can speak yourself into being a woman or a man just by saying it. So maybe they believe that same kind of logic extends to the economic situation in our country. No, things are great. Oh, okay. Things are great. Wow. I didn't really just pay $50 to fill the tank in the car that it used to cost me $30 to fill. I didn't just pay $7.99 for a pound of bacon when I used to be able to get it on special for $2.99. Things are great. Joe Biden was trying to spread this around to a room full of Democratic operatives two days ago. I tend to think if you're going to be Newt Rockney, you need to little put, put a little bit more energy into it than this. You know, whether we uh, maintain control of the Senate and the House is a big deal. And... Uh, So far, we're running against the tide. Republicans ahead, Democrats ahead, Republicans ahead. But it's going to close, I think, with seeing uh, one more shift. Democrats ahead. This is not a horse race. This is not Seabiscuit and War Admiral. This is is not a firmed in Aladar, neck and neck coming down the stretch. Uh, You are riding Tony the Pony, Joe. Your economic policies are awful. Your international policies are awful. Your border policies are awful. Your performance across the board is awful. And by the way, that's a bad pep talk, too. That reminds me of of Gru in, um, uh, what's the movie with the minions? Where he's trying to steal the moon. And he's uh, basically admitting that we're not going to be able to go to the moon. We're not going to be able to do this. And somebody interrupts him and he goes, can't you see I'm giving a pep talk? Yeah, that's a pep talk from Joe Biden yesterday. Uh, here's Carl Rove on uh, Joe Biden's. Super peppy, peppy pep talk. Wishful thinking. I mean, we saw this with Nancy Pelosi going on national television saying, you know, we're going to keep the House and by adding seats. Look, since in the last since since we've created American political parties between the years of 1818 and 1824, there have been two first midterm elections in which the White House party gained seats in the U.S. House of Representatives, 1934 and 2002. This ain't FDR. This is not George W. Bush in the aftermath of 9-11 with sky-high approval ratings. This is Joe Biden, who's sitting there about 42, 43 percent approval. And on the big issues, the economy, inflation and crime, he's sitting with approval ratings in the third. So he's thinking there's going to be some big turn. But what is that turn? It's certainly not his closing argument. Is he waiting for what? Uh, to, to look like a hero by you know, staving the, the world from annihilation from a, lo- a loose comet? I don't know. But this is wishful thinking, bucking up his people at the DNC, just like Hillary, uh, just like uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi was bucking up her members by going on Seth Meyers and saying we're going to add seats. Not going to happen. Now, the other thing that Joe Biden says a lot, is that inflation here is not as bad as it is other places. We have a lower inflation rate than most any nation in the, any other nation in the world. That's why I'm determined to reduce the burden on working and middle-class folks. Do we have a lower inflation rate than every other country in the world? Well, here are a couple countries in the world, as you might have heard of, that have a lower inflation rate than we do year over year, September to September. Canada, 
Do we have a reasonable expectation that our inflation should be lower than Canada's? I think so. South Africa, India, Japan, Singapore, China. Hmm, They're a competitor of ours. Might be nice if we had lower inflation than China. South Korea and Switzerland. They all have lower inflation than we do. But Joe Biden continues to say our inflation is lower. It is not lower. Now, I don't know if you look at life through the same prism that I do. I look through the prism of faith that God is in control of all things. And sometimes I'm like, I don't understand. How can you let Joe Biden be president? But I feel better about things now that I look at initiatives the Democrats have engaged in that are failing them. For instance, Hispanic voters. A new poll of Hispanic voters they were the ones who are supposed to be all in on illegal immigration, right? More of their compatriots coming from Honduras, Venezuela, Mexico. That was supposed to make Hispanics an immovable voting block for the Democratic Party. Uh, it turns out not so much. 56% of Hispanic voters say they are frustrated with the current state of the country and that the nation has gone off on the wrong track. 56%. Ouch. Turns out that the people who are most against illegal immigration are legal immigrants. They don't like people cutting in line. No one does. Approval numbers for President Biden from Hispanic voters show that 56% believe he should not run for (laughs) re-election. And 22% of them say they have become more conservative since becoming citizens of the country. Yikes. There goes Joe Biden's and the Democrats' unfracturable voting block that they said would enable them to never lose another election. Uh, At least they won't lose another election for the next two weeks anyway. So I'm on the way to take my kids to school today. And a car passes me, and the light changes up ahead. I end up behind the car. I'm not bumper sticker guy, but this person was bumper sticker guy or gal, most likely gal. Uh, Let's see. We had a bumper sticker that said thoughts and prayers that was crossed out, and under it was policy and change. Then we had the rainbow love is love. Then we had the rainbow pride and (laughs) I said to my daughters well we need to pray for that person Um, it's interesting how the left co-ops language love is love sounds very loving does it not sounds uh, indisputable yes love is love well not always Uh, it is not loving to let people persist in destructive behavior so you have to be on guard against the left and against language I mean after all The left loves to talk a lot now about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And diversity, equity, and inclusion are not bad things. There's nothing more diverse, more equitable, more inclusive than the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's nothing more disingenuous than Democrats who talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, Here is a pastor. His name is John Amanchukwu, speaking to the Wake County, North Carolina Board of Education. Uh, Reverend John is not a fan of diversity, equity, 
nor inclusion. The reality is this. God is going to judge every last one of you for decisions that are made on behalf of children. You know, this past year we spent $1 million on a diversity office. And how did that benefit black children? How did it benefit children in general? Well, 78% of third through eighth grade black students are not proficient in math in Wake County. We're wasting taxpayer dollars putting money towards this diversity office that's not benefiting those who need it the most. 66% of third through eighth grade students are not proficient in reading. Black students, they're not reading on grade level. They're not performing mathematically and they're not going to be able to get jobs in the fields like STEM. But we're wasting money on a diversity, equity, and inclusion office while we are failing black students in the name of diversity. Preach it. Preach it. And you and Olentangy, you and Upper Arlington, many districts in this area have multiple diversity, equity, and inclusion officers. I wouldn't vote for a levy in any district. If you had a single person on the payroll given a salary to do nothing but diversity, equity, and inclusion, it is a leftist ruse. It is a leftist ruse. Diversity, equity, inclusion, is they're buzzwords, okay? The left tries to win on language. I got taken to task, and with good reason by someone who emailed the show. And I'm trying to remember who it was because I want to give them credit. But they said, hey, you talk about COVID-19 vaccines. The COVID-19 vaccine is not a vaccine. It's a shot. It's a therapeutic. It's not a vaccine. A measles vaccine, a polio vaccine, those are vaccines. And I said, I will try to discipline myself in my language to use the term COVID shot. It's like the flu shot. Yeah, not you have COVID to get it vaccine. at least once a year, according yeah. to the mm. officials. And six times a year, if you're or Michelle in this Walensky. case, yes. Yeah, exactly. So here's another instance of how the left co-ops language. Here's a headline from the Hill political site. Right, they're going to give it to you down the middle. Here's the headline: Five investigations House Republicans are plotting if they win the majority. Now. Are they plotting five investigations or are they planning five investigations? Well, I think they're planning them and the left, who obviously owns the Hill, says, well, let's jazz it up a little bit. Let's make it sound plotting. Does it sound the same if I say, um, what are you planning for tonight? Or if I say, what are you plotting for tonight? Does one imply nefarious evil intentions of course you know it does right and sadly and remember i got my start in journalism in the print field in the print field the first thing you're given when you get a job in newspapers back in the day probably not now but the first thing you were given back in the day was an associated press style book and the associated press style book was endeavoring to foster consistency in how you wrote about certain things punctuated certain things so that the 
news accounts that you were writing in your newspaper or that were coming from the Associated Press would all have a sameness, a consistency to them. And the overwhelming, overwhelming ideology of the Associated Press in their news reports was, we don't want to take a position. We don't want to advantage one side or the other. We want to be down the middle. We want to be dispassionate. We want to be nonpartisan. Well, that's out the window now. Because now the Associated Press has decided that there's no use in presenting both sides of an issue if one side is, in its estimation, absolutely 100% wrong. That is why they view the climate change ideology as settled science. That is why the Associated Press stopped using the term late-term or partial birth abortion. Because it sounded bad. Partial birth abortion. What do you mean partially born? And they're aborting it? That sounds bad. No, no, no. Now they call it third trimester abortion. Eh, it's no different than first trimester. No different than second trimester. It's just a third trimester. Yeah, it's an actual baby that could live outside the womb. But, yeah, never mind. Border crisis. Do we have a border crisis? Not according to the AP. The dictionary defines crisis as, quote, an unstable or crucial time or state of affairs in which a decisive change is impending. That's a crisis. Unstable or crucial time or state of affairs in which a decisive change is impending. We have, what, how many million coming across the border? That seems pretty decisive, pretty unstable, pretty crucial to me. But the Associated Press in 2021 sent an internal memo that said, we will not use the word crisis as it refers to the border. From their standard center, a note about the current increases in border entrances. AP Vice President and Editor-at-Large for Standards, John Danizuski, said the border doesn't meet the standard of the word crisis. He writes, the current events in the news, a sharp increase in the arrival of unaccompanied minors, is a problem for border officials, a political challenge for Biden, and a dire situation for many migrants who make the journey, but it does not fit the classic dif- dictionary definition of a crisis. Wow. Wait a minute. A problem for border agents, a political challenge for Biden, a dire situation for migrants, a sharp increase in arrival, but you add all those together in the cake and you don't get a crisis. Uh, wow. So that's where we are. And I didn't even get into gender-affirming care. So you got to watch the words. you got to watch the language. As I say all the time, they're trying to program you. Can't just take it for granted. you got to, as my friend Bob Bernie says, listen, think, discern.